Your Newcastle. This episode of Your Newcastle, I'm joined by the amazing Reese Hignall, a bakerpreneur. <laughs> That's it, a bakerpreneur. <laughs> Cake boy. Hey. Reese, it's so good to have you having a chat with us today. Tell us a little bit about how you came to love baking and being a big star on MasterChef. <laughs> Thank you for having me, first of all. This is really exciting. I kind of fell in love with baking through my nan. She was like an epic baker. So I kind of have spent the last few years trying to copy her. <laughs> and she had this amazing market store in Warners Bay. So that's always been the goal of mine to kind of follow in her footsteps. So that's kind of how my love affair with baking is really kind of grown over the last few years. Now, I've heard about your nan as your inspiration, and I've heard that maybe your nan is coming to visit you at your (laughs) new shop in Hamilton in a very special way. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how your nan is coming back to check on you now as Cake Boy takes off as an amazing success. Yeah, it's kind of weird. My nan was kind of known for always feeding magpies. Every single week she would get a kilo of mince and just start throwing mince out to the backyard and there'd probably be like 20 magpies sitting in her backyard. November last year we were renovating the shop and out of nowhere there was magpie sitting in the shop. And it was just recently after Nan passed away. And my builder at the time was like, this is a sign that's your Nan. We call him Swoopy. We're like, get out of here, Swoopy, you're in the way. And the next day he came back and he just kept on coming back. And then I was like, oh my God, like this is something. The the builder was right. Yeah. So then I started feeding him and now he's an honorary staff member. So your inspiration is your Nan and from her cake stall at Warners Bay and now Swoopy's come back to visit you. We think you're amazing and it's just wonderful to have a success story like yourself setting up shop in Hamilton. Tell me about the journey of coming out of two seasons of MasterChef, that epic ride, and then wanting to share your product, which is really unique and really amazing because I've eaten it, <laughs> like a lot of people, about how you chose Hamilton. I suppose going on a reality TV show, you come out of it and I was lucky enough, I've been able to do it twice. And the first time was really hard to kind of adjust to, I suppose, like normal living because you come from such a structured environment to being your own person. So you kind of have to find out what you want to do with yourself and you have to work really hard to actually do something. Lucky enough, I did a few fun things around town and started my online Cake Boy and was invited back to do MasterChef again. And when I came out, I had really strong goals. I always wanted to open a shop in Newcastle and I worked really hard coming out of MasterChef to save up equity for myself to develop this idea that I had. In terms of Hamilton, I had a few areas that I really wanted to go into. Hamilton was definitely number one on my list, in particular the venue that I chose. It's the old Pina Deli. And when I was younger, I used to always go to the Pina Deli. Yeah, it's really cool. But when I first walked into that particular shop, it had the most beautiful outlook down this street of just trees. And it's so rare in Newcastle to get a shop so close to like a busy area like Hamilton, but have kind of like a suburban look. I was like, yeah, this is what I want. It is in an area full of people, but 
it doesn't look like it's in an area full of people. Plus as well, it has parking. <laughs> parking, num- number one <laughs> yeah. criteria. Yeah, but Hamilton is such a great location. It's a food destination. And I personally feel as though Hamilton's on this food rejuvenation. So I wanted to get in now. And I'm lucky I did. I really love that insight because I'm seeing it as well. Growing up in Newcastle and being a little bit older than you, it was a real food street. A lot of different ethnic cuisines came into Hamilton, inspired by a lot of people that lived in the area or had migrated here in the 50s to that area. And then it sort of went through a few changes in the late 90s, early 2000s with different types of shops moving in. I guess post-earthquake, a lot of the mix of business changed in in different areas in Newcastle but I have seen a real renaissance of even different cuisines moving in and I think it's lovely that you've chosen Hamilton particularly on the back of Janice Messamici and that wonderful crew we have with the Hamilton Business Improvement Association a whole group of women got together and said we're all going to work together as different business owners and really promote Hamilton and grow our brand and you know work together in a really main street type of way did that camaraderie interest you in being part of in Hamilton? It was definitely a deciding factor for me. I think when Janice and the group found out that I wanted to be in Hamilton, they found out before I had locked in my lease and they were on me straight away. First of all, trying to sell the location to me and second of all, trying to help me gain the lease. And I just felt straight away like one, I was supported And two, like if I was to gain this lease, I would have a connection to the city council. So for me, I was like, that's the support that I want. I've never owned a business before. This is the very first time I've ever leased a commercial premises or started a food premises. And there's so much liaison with city council to do that. And just having that voice for me or having that support or knowledge was vital for me to really start because if I didn't I would have had to utilize my expenses that I'd saved so hard for to get the advice so Janice has been I call her my Hamilton godmother (laughs) I love that (laughs) she's so good I go and see her maybe every second day and we just chill out have a chat talk about how we can make our area better how we can make my shop better and just all work together and I'm slowly meeting everyone from the business association and they're all so lovely and supportive of me and even to the point where they're all passing on their thoughts on how we can take it even further because I think one thing that we all share together in Hamilton is the knowledge that if say one shop does well the shop next door is going to do well then the one down the street is going to do well so we all have to do well I suppose like we're a team together there. That's wonderful community spirit, wonderful camaraderie. And I see that theme coming through and through talking to entrepreneurs and bakerpreneurs. (laughs) I get the same theme. The same theme is they're coming in their own industries. It might be tech, it might be education, it might be training, it might be the vertical integration of energy and the like. They're coming to Newcastle because of the environment that they can live in and work in. But most importantly, it's that camaraderie, that support, that really accessible link to other business owners that are there to genuinely support them. That's right. Not compete with them. It's about making and really putting into practice that theory of collectivism. And I love that. And I love that it's happening for you in Hamilton 
And Janice and the team have done such a wonderful job of creating that atmosphere that they are actually our local community group of the year. Yeah, right. <laughs> 2021, it's the Hamilton Business Improvement Association just because of the work that they have done in Hamilton. And it's great that you've experienced that. It's your Newcastle. Access all our services and resources at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. You come to your business from you know a different place with a, a decent profile. and two seasons on MasterChef, which is a hugely popular show. And you were a really popular contestant, it's my understanding. (laughs) Tell me about the friendship trio, the Audreys. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So I was lucky enough to do both my seasons of MasterChef with two contestants. So we met on season 10 in 2018. It's Jess and Brendan. The three of us were invited back to compete again in the 2020 season. Because you were the Audreys. We competed individually, but I think the fact that we had this friendship together kind of meant that we all went back together. But it's just cool because it's kind of the same as what you're talking about with businesses. Like when we were on the show, it's distilled in us that not to compare yourself with your competitor, but just to like embrace what they do and embrace what you do and you guys will succeed. Brandon, Jess and I, we all do three different styles of cooking and we just love each other for that and love seeing each other succeed. It's expanding the pie, excuse the pun. That's right, yeah. You know, sharing knowledge, expanding the pie, being in a supportive environment. It works on MasterChef and reality TV (laughs) just as well as it works in Hamilton and and other areas. So you had the Audreys and that was successful because instead of being individuals, you're a team. Yeah, that's right. You're not just cake boy, you know, as an individual business. <laughs> yeah. You're part of a team in Hamilton. Yeah. I've got some, and I work with some really big Reese Hignall fans and MasterChef <laughs> fans. So they do talk to me a lot about, before we even met, your cakes and MasterChef. And you can imagine in a role like mine as the Lord Mayor of the City of Newcastle, I don't get a lot of time to watch television. <laughs> it's probably one thing I haven't done for quite a few years. So I don't get to keep up, but I feel like I've kept up because of the amount of water cooler chatter (laughs) about Reese and how great you are. I was really interested as a vegan, how you get through a competition where you'll have to taste food and cook food that obviously is non-vegan. Did you have to spit it out? (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, like I said this once and then it got plastered all over tabloids that I oh. spat out the food. But oh, like, <laughs> sorry. I didn't even know that. We've delved no, into like, no, you know. No, it's so fine. But like, that's how it was. Like, I chose to eat like a plant-based, I call it plant-based rather than vegan because it's just for my health and my well-being. And it's done what I wanted it to do. On the show, it was kind of difficult because I'd constantly have to try food. And that's part of the competition. There's like guessing competitions. There's taste tests. One time we got given a dish without a recipe and we had to recreate the dish. So the only way you could do that was by tasting it. Yeah, I often (laughs) did spit it out, but it's not that glamorous, but it's the same as my shop. We have a very strong motto in the shop that we don't believe that anyone should be deprived of cake, no matter what you're intolerant. So we make very intolerant friendly cakes in an old school style, just to make sure that everyone gets a cut of the pie, I suppose. Do you know why I love this? And probably you don't realise, and how should you, but I don't eat dairy. Right. 
So I haven't really been a dessert eater for a very, very long time because it really always contains dairy. And part of the reason I don't, it's because I have a Solomon Island heritage. Right. So my father, my auntie, you know, all that side of the islanders in my family, um, some of my cousins are all, you know, really lactose intolerant. Yep. And it's not the end of the world. It's not an allergy, but it can make you feel a bit sick. And particularly if you're busy and working, I just thought, oh, I can't deal with this. I just need to not consume it, make my out. make my life easier. But it does mean you just sort of go, I'm not going to a cake shop. I'm not going to those type of shops because really it, the old-fashioned way was just a lot of butter and a lot That's of right. milk. So when you came along and you were like, <laughs> oh, you, you're not letting the people that don't eat the dairy or, you know, cut certain, have certain intolerances out. Yep. I was like cheering. <laughs> so exciting for me. Yeah. So we developed a few cakes, like one of them, probably the most popular off our intolerant range is our coconut and raspberry cake. It's a vegan friendly cake. So no eggs and no dairy it was really hard to create that recipe with the vision of it being a classic style of cake all the vegan products you have they're quite dense and really rich full of dates and nuts so it was hard to kind of change away from that to create a really old school style of cake but after a very long time we developed a fake egg Wow. Do you know, I don't know much about cooking, so this is all just news to me. How do you develop a fake egg? We curdled soy milk. Ew. Um, What what is that even? I don't even know. How do you curdle milk? Like, heat it up? Do you heat it up? Like sour. Make it sour. So, vinegars or... Oh, you 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 tip vinegar into milk. That's right. and That's how you curdle it? Yeah, like... Oh, who um, knew? Curdles, and we use the curdle to bind the cake. So it doesn't taste like anything but soy. You sound like a chemist. <laughs> Did you do uh, chemistry at school? No, I just mm. bake stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, wow, yeah, how so do you know this? It's just great. I just a lot of trial and error. And that cake's beautiful now. It's got this beautiful, light, spongy feel. Like, not like a sponge cake, but more like a butter cake. And it crumbles like how a cake should. Oh, I'm so <laughs> hungry have you right had that one? now. I don't think I've had that one. Oh. Why have I not eaten that? <laughs> now all I want to do is eat that cake. Put that cake. on the to-do list. <laughs> What's happening in your Newcastle? Subscribe to our mailing list at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. You have some favourite baking styles, yep. aside from the, the raspberry cake with yep. the curdled... <laughs> Is it curdled soy milk? Yeah, but we just call it a coconut raspberry cake. A coconut raspberry cake. So yeah. do you use coconut milk in it as well? No, we use dried coconut. Oh, yeah. wow. Because the coconut milk doesn't curdle the same, so okay. we couldn't use it. Have you ever just chopped off a coconut and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like... It's such a liberating thing like cracking a coconut. Yeah. Oh, oh straight off a tree? I've never done it off a tree. <laughs> can, can I just say, like, because you're a food person and I'm, you know, I like to eat it but don't know really how to cook <laughs> it or make it like you, some of the nicest taste experience I've had is in the Solomon Islands yep. where someone will just go up a tree, grab a coconut, husk it, Crack chop it, it off, and that coconut milk that you're drinking straight fresh out of the coconut is nothing like when you go and buy coconut water or anything else that you can taste. That fresh coconut milk is some of the most amazing things I've ever consumed. And then you can eat the flesh straight afterwards. Oh, and I heard this amazing, this is a side story. Last time I was in the Solomons, they actually used it as IV fluid. 
Really? Because it's so sterile inside the coconut when they chop it straight out that they can use that watery milk. Wow. And they used it as IV fluid during World War Two. Coconut water, I'm fairly sure, is really high in electrolytes as well. So it's probably like good to be used for IV water. <laughs> so aside from the, the my obsession now with coconut, yeah. you've got a couple of favourite cakes yep. that you bake. Maybe can you tell me about those? Yeah, so we've got a few signature cakes and I would say... That the top two are, one is our carrot cake. Eating it. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have, but I ate it. It's Couldn't like help a, myself. It's a very classic style. So, so good. Um, it's so good. Oh, thank you. Oh, um, so good. The hard thing about getting like a classic style carrot cake is kind of like just, I suppose, training the customer for what that is. Because I think people have either had like an overly dry carrot cake or one that's super duper moist. And I think the super duper moist ones are more of a modern style. And then a super duper dry one is a bad one. (laughs) So our goal is for it to be like moistly dry. So moist enough that it's like pleasant to eat, but not too moist that it crumbles like a cake. Falls apart. Yeah. And we jack it full of spices and then our icing's cream cheese and brown butter with honey. So it's quite tasty. Mm. (laughs) And then our other one, our other signature kind of cake is a tart. It's our lemon tart. So it's a very gentle tart. It's full of flavour, like a good balance between sweet and sour. As a good lemon tart should be. (laughs) As it should be. And then on Saturdays, we turn that lemon tart into a lemon meringue. We toasted meringue on top. Oh, stop it. (laughs) If anyone wasn't hungry at the start of this conversation, I bet you they're starving now. I've also, a little birdie told me, and maybe it was swoopy and maybe it wasn't swoopy. Go on. I heard a famous singer, rock star, was a guest judge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Katy Perry, when you were on season 12, so the second season of MasterChef, and that you really liked her in a... (laughs) maybe fangirling way. Yeah. What did she say to you? Oh, Lord, it was so hectic. So I just give you the background. So we were just midway through a challenge. And on MasterChef, when you're given a challenge, it's like cook this in 45 minutes or 60 minutes. So the challenge is already unrealistic. So you stress straight away. And all of a sudden they're like, stop what you're doing and look at the doors. <laughs> and I'm like mid cooking and I turn around and Katy Perry walks in the door. Stop and it. I just didn't know how to react. I almost froze. Like I instantly like had cold skin and was sweating. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? Like the definition of starstruck I was. And I just was not expecting someone of her calibre of success and fame to be in my presence on that particular day. And I was just like over the moon. I thought it was really, it was one of the funnest experiences of my life. And She was so down to earth and just played ball really well. So she could see that I was starstruck and then she was like milking that so much. It was really funny. And then at the end, I made a rum bubba, which is a French pastry. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it. (laughs) Oh, they're really good. So it's a dough pastry, which is soaked in a rum syrup. Oh, I like the rum part. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) How do you say it? Rum bubba? Yeah, rum bubba. Oh, I love that. It's delicious. And then at the end of it, she made a little napkin origami and then popped it on her chest and said, refuel the tits. Ah, <laughs> stop it. What a feedback. Like on MasterChef PG show, I get called the tits. And so, By yeah, Katy Perry. It was so funny. So I'd be like walking down the main street of Newcastle and people would be shouting out their car like, Reese, 
you're the tips. Oh, my goodness. Bloody hilarious. It went on for ages. I did not know any of this when I asked you. It's so funny. It's so Newcastle. (laughs) Yeah, it's so Newcastle. For people just to wind their window down and and just yell stuff at you. (laughs) (laughs) And it'd be like I'd walk down Derby Street and there might be like a few hundred people on the side of the road and then I'd just be like purely red, embarrassed, and that person's done what they wanted to do, but... It was funny. It's still funny whenever I hear it, but yeah. Oh my goodness. So I got the good mail from my big office MasterChef fans, didn't I? Yeah, you got the good questions. I got the good <laughs> mail. Thanks, Erin. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> well, if you haven't tried a cake from Cake Boy or any of his other beautiful food, I suggest you get down to Hamilton ASAP because Reese has, my understanding, at least 20 people on a weekend or different cars driving up from Sydney just to eat your cake. That's true. It's hectic. I think actually you came in the other day and there's like people from Sydney banging on our doors after we shut. Yeah, you'd been shut for an hour. I thought you were still open. (laughs) I was just, you know, cruising past to get some cake. And I was like, oh, it must still be open because there's people in there. And people are driven up from Sydney, so it's an hour after closing time. Yeah. Reese and his staff are still in there serving cake, and I was like, maybe <laughs> it's still open and I yeah. can get cake as well. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. I suppose that's the um, ongoing effect of MasterChef is that we constantly have people travelling to the shop, especially over Easter and those school holidays. We had people from Brisbane driving through on their way to Sydney and like people from Melbourne, I suppose, like, where we are located in Hamilton. It's really only like a 15 minute drive from Hexham. So if they're going up the coast, for them to pop in isn't a big deal. Tourist destination. (laughs) Cake boy. Cake boy. (laughs) And you might get to see Swoopy at the same time. Plus you'll be exceptionally satisfied with the amazing cake. (laughs) Thank you so much, Reese, for chatting with me. And thank you for being a wonderful, you say it. Bakerpreneur. It sounds like you should be eating it, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Rolls off the tongue. That's your Newcastle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen.